Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bloom, episode 110. It's here. It's time. Pockets of ADP analysis, the thing we love the most. And we've already had people requesting for a month or so, when are these coming back? They are here. We're starting ADP 100 through 150. We'll talk trends we see. We'll talk fades, targets, ADP debates. Pretty much the same thing as last year. Get your roll, and we'll do this for about five, six episodes or so. So you can do the math on the 50s through there and get that rock and roll for you and uh, get you ready for the season. You can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and my host, as always, on Twitter at RyanBHQ. Mr. Bloomfield, how are we doing, my friend? Still still riding the high from, from Tuesday night. That was that that labor show was was a ton of fun. Thank you to all of the uh the listeners and and especially the chatters. Man, mm-hmm. I took some lumps. Took some lumps in that one, but I think I turned out okay. I man, I did manage to avoid uh Kode Senga, so that's always yeah. that's always good. Um drafted our first since we didn't really yeah, we didn't really intro before labor. Dra- I did did my first Bubba in the Bloom auction on Monday night. Mm-hmm. which was which was a, a ton of fun joe Arico live streamed it and i i was in there for a couple hours did take kode senga in that one so our listeners have a firm leg up on my 22 dollar kode senga in auction league number one um auction league number two though tomorrow night and you had a little special announcement earlier yeah. today on twitter let's uh let's rehash what you said and uh yeah. exciting stuff if people have not seen that yet, I decided that uh, I'm going to be, be missing Potapalooza this weekend, and I only did this because uh, Justin has a special place in my career, if you want to call this a career, um, you know, in, in my kind of arc to doing what I'm doing here now. Big, big reasons, Justin Mason. So I wanted to still help him out since I wouldn't be able to be there this weekend. So I said, okay, I'm going to stream auction number two on Friday night. It starts at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific time. And what I said is for every 100 YouTube listeners, when the show ends, when I click, you know, end broadcast and I go look at the YouTube number, every 100 listeners, I'll donate $50 to Fantasy Cares that the auction's going to. Cool. We ride. We do our thing. You listeners are ridiculous in a very good way. Like the the uh, the support and all of you jump, a lot of you jumping in, you know, I'll match this. I'll do a buck for this. All these different things. You guys are awesome. So uh, I just want you all to come hang out and have a good time and goof off and make fun of me. And I got special people coming in. Like Ryan might drop by. Justin's going to drop by. Some other people might. We're going to kind of play it by ear. It's just going to be like a have fun, kick off pot of Palooza, make fun of me for doing my first auction draft live because I've never even done an auction draft to begin with. It's so impo- be it's nearly impossible streaming it. So I, I it's you're not only doing the doing the right thing by. Uh, by doing this and raising money for charity, you're also kind of sacrificing your team for yeah. this. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, you'll, you're in for it, but it's, it's for a good cause. So. so yeah, just come join us eight Eastern five Pacific, be about a four hour run, give or take some, some time on there, but it'll be a lot of fun. I like, I'm going to reach out to some other people to see if they want to swing by for you know five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever, whatever they want to do, just pop in and, and have some fun. So if you're in the chat, we'll interact with you there, bring your fantasy questions. If you got them, just come talk trash. If you want, I don't care, but come support a good cause. And uh, the kickoff kind of not really pot of blues, but kind of pot of palooza, which is over the weekend for Justin Mason and, and company. Uh, he's it's kind of a TGFBI pot of palooza thing. All the money is going to fantasy cares. It's a great organization. So go check that out. And that's the kind of, this is the good that our fantasy community does. We had PitchCon 
raised, I think, like fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars, like yeah, a for few, ALS research. Few, yeah, for ALS a few weeks ago. You got PitchCon. It usually, or I mean, we got Potapalooza. It usually raises anywhere from four to ten thousand. It varies each year. So let's go make some money. Get ready. Spring training started on Thursday today. So it's baseball season, folks. Let's have some fun with some fantasy baseball. I watched some of that game today. I saw Joe Joe Musgrove not getting out, and I, I saw that that, uh, that Chris Owings is on the Dodgers. Not only on the Dodgers, he started today in Game One. Wow. Uh, any thought? Back. Any thoughts on the white baseball pants? Oh my God! I'm glad I'm. <laughs> I'm glad I. I'd love to be a major league baseball player when I grow up, but yeah. uh, maybe not so much now. No, no, no. It's, uh, that's a rough look, boys and girls. Boys, that especially. Thing, especially boys. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. My 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 Twitter feed today was 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 yeah. semi pornographic. Yeah, it was not safe for work. If you were not, if you're not paying attention, and baseball pictures out there. You might actually see uh, baseball players wear a jock strap and cups again, like we used to have to do when we were kids. Just gonna throw that out there. That might be coming back, but but let's hope. Let's hope no one goes commando. I'm not gonna comment on that because I have a feeling some of them do. So uh, yeah, watch out, boys. Yeah, watch out. Uh, We'll see where that one goes. If it's gonna be one of those hot, humid days in the Midwest. It could get dicey, could get dicey, and I'm gonna leave it at that because there's a lot of. I will say this much: every now and then, my my sarcasm enjoys Twitter. There were some good ones today, folks. That's all I'm gonna say. There were yeah, some good ones. It there was, was uh, the internet. The internet was on point today. Yeah, uh, you guys yeah. did very very well, and uh, kudos to you. All right. So as I mentioned at the top, pockets of ADP. We're kicking it off from ADP 100 to 150. We got the boards to discuss. We uh, got hitters and pitchers. I'll let Ryan break this down in a second. But what we do is we like to see, like, okay, here's some statistics we can kind of pinpoint out of this area. Here's, like, positionals, like, players or uh, certain positions we should kind of focus on maybe in this area and much more. So, Bloomfield, before we get started, let everybody know what we're looking at on the screen if they're tuning into YouTube or when you tweet out the boards and, like, you already did and everything going forward. Yeah, I'm not sure how easy they are to see so on the on the YouTube stream. I know I know Bubba's eyes. He's ba- Bubba's basically blind. Yeah, at this bad. point, it's getting, it's getting real bad, folks. At this point of draft season, uh, so I'm watching Bubba squint at the screen. But let me know, people that have uh, better vision, how they look. If not, this is why I printed out on the side over here. Did did tweet out the boards ahead of time, so you can check that out. Um, before I even kind of start on this part of it, I mean, this series that we're doing and kind of the reason behind it is. Um, a, we got a lot of really good feedback from the listeners that that folks just love this kind of ADP, like 50-pick increment shows. And so we're bringing that back this year. Um, main impetus for it is, this is just my opinion, this is me talking, uh, drafts are won in the middle rounds. This is kind of how we started to podcast we together. Met. I remember we met. <laughs> doing the middle round episode with you like five years ago at this point. Jesus. Um <laughs> Just feel like the middle rounds are where drafts are won, and I feel like it's an undercovered portion of the draft um, content-wise out there. We all know the first couple rounds get all the press. Um, there's a fair amount of coverage on your kind of end game sleepers and dart throws and that sort of thing. In reality, those end game dart throw guys are not going to pan out. You're going to in fab leagues, you're going to cut them and churn for your roster. It's these middle rounds where the players are good enough to go from like a 10th round pick and return third round value. 
a a twelfth a, a round pick that returns fourth round value. If you get enough of those guys on your team, um, it goes a long way into uh, your standings. And and just like so, I mean, just because labor's on my mind, the reason I won labor last year wasn't you know I, I took Tristan McKenzie in the sixth round. I took Aaron Nola in the second round. Like I had bad picks early in the draft, but it was like a seventh round Christian Yelich. It was a 14th round Cody Bellinger. It was an 18th round CJ Abrams. It was a 20th round uh, Justin Steele. It's if you if you hit on enough guys in this portion of the draft, they're good enough to be able to return that kind of upper end value. And so that's why I think it's super important to uh, to hone in on these middle rounds and kind of see who we like. And also from a strategy standpoint, like I mean, we heard in the labor stream on Tuesday, the the strengths and weaknesses of this portion of the player pool probably guide how you draft in the first few rounds so that's my uh that's my spiel i don't know bob if you had anything to add to that but uh that's kind of why we're doing this no i've echoed it many times that um like by the time we finish these and i start doing my ocs and everything i almost don't need any papers with me or anything because i already i feel so confident in what like my targets are i can set cues in the draft room and stuff and just just talking about it so much, knowing where these these pockets of what we're looking for are, it just helps some like just go like auction, different story, because you can just get players whenever. Mm-hmm. When it comes snake draft season, that's why we're doing ADPs. It um it definitely it, it gets me ready to, to to rock and roll. Let's put it that way. Cause even last year I did three OCs. I did one super early, the beat Brent Hershey League, did it like early, like around this time, uh, give or take. And I got smoked. Injuries and just other things just smoked. My other two I did like Second week in March, and they did one the night before the season started, and I did a whole lot better in those. Just the comfort level, the knowledge of what's going on, it just it helped a ton. So these are uh, – uh, the listeners love them. I love them. This helps me a ton selfishly. as well. Yeah, selfishly for yeah. our for our March draft. So Yeah, it's good talking through it all. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So. And so we're, we're kind of formatting these episodes in, in a few different parts. First, we'll talk about just kind of high-level – strengths, weaknesses of this portion of the the player pool in terms of just position, speed, uh, categories, that sort of thing. Then we'll do ADP battles, which I don't, I don't really know what that means, but we just, we do it anyway. It's more so uh, (laughs) players going kind of close to each other and should, should because we talked about it. Remember when we reviewed positions, like if you took this player instead of this player, big difference. Now we're trying to, I guess, kind of predict that right now. Predicts the keyword on that one. And there are guys, so like tonight, one of our battles will be, it's not really battle, but it's Danzy Swanson and um, Anthony Volpe. Both same position, going very close to each other in the draft, but like wildly different profiles and types of players. So that's kind of where we're going at with that. And then the much, much easier to explain targets and fades Mm -hmm. uh, in each one. So that's kind of how we're going to structure each of these episodes um i guess we'll just dive in on 100 to 150 for me i and i mentioned this on labor this is a a major part of the draft right i personally want to target bats there are not many starting pitchers uh for me that i like in this range after like tanner bybee and justin Steele, who are going 104 and 107 respectively um after that there's just and, and we'll talk some of these names it's a it's a it's a combination of kind of injury risk and 
kind of boring starters where I just I just prefer a lot of the bats in the in this part of the draft. So I, I probably will not be taking much more than a starter, a pitcher or two, maybe a starter and a closer here. There's only five closers mm-hmm. going. And this is a point in the draft where it is your last chance to get a full-time closer. You've got Tanner Scott at 100, Clay Holmes at 104, Craig Kimball 105, Alzale 114, Kenley Jansen 122. After that, there are no more closers going for, I think, another 50 picks. So um, it's important to know that if you don't have your closer one or you want to get two closers that have the job at this point, you're going to have to get them uh, in this part of the draft. So um, those were some of my bigger takeaways. Yeah, the closer thing is one of the bigger takeaways for me. Is when we talked about the reliever um, preview show, it was this pocket right here is it's kind of your last quote unquote reliable ones, as reliable as they can be, because that drop off is tremendous. So you mentioned fifty picks, like you go to Alvarado and those guys after that, and there's a big difference between you know as much as we always talked about you know the clowning on Jansen or whatever. You got Holmes, you got Kimbrel. They at least have the job. Like we know mm-hmm. they have the job, and if you wanted to be your closer one. Okay, preferably a closer two, like we talked about on the show uh, um, a week ago. But this is definitely a spot where it stands out. You know, chance in ADP 122. So in a 10-team or a 12-team league, that's round 10. Round 10, you almost have to have two closers. That's that's wild to think about because we've talked about, uh, you know, you might want two pitchers, two starters. Now you have two closers. There's four of your 10 picks already. Like just starting to already like just soak up all these um, – draft picks uh, per se just in relievers and starters the 15 team league it's even you know what round eight and nine give or take and that that just really stands out having to have potentially have two closers at that point in time um so that's the big one for me i don't mind some of the pitchers i'm with you it's like it's not the elite starting pitching of the world but there are some i don't mind here if you got a little frisky with your drafting early if you maybe went hitter early like heavy early you can you can kind of play with this but you want these to be more your sp2s if not threes in this range um, that you don't want to be relying on these to kind of anchor your staff. So that's something else to obviously think about. But bats-wise, it's interesting because uh, I agree there are a lot of bats I like here. The catchers, you have some sitting here. But, again, you guys all know my thoughts on waiting on catcher. It's more of a, a nice spot for outfielder. I think if you didn't go outfielder early like, you know, you were doing in, in your labor draft. Yep. I'm not trying to pick on that. But this no, is a, no, yeah. yep. this is a window – if you went, you know, Freddie Freeman and you went a shortstop and Trey Turner or something, you did a few other things. This is a window where we've got the guys to say, as we like, even Lane Thomas is here. If you like, we got Casty, T. Oscar, who we like. There's a, there's a group here that if you can almost double tap outfielders, all of a sudden your team's back to like, okay, we're good. We're good in outfield again. We don't have to stress out in those 15 team, five outfield leagues, even 12s. You now have a base again at outfield all of a sudden where it felt like you might have been like starting to tread water. Now you're back to like you're good. So outfield is one of my bigger spots here when I'm looking at it. I don't, I don't know about you offensively. Um, no, I'm glad you covered the kind of the positions because what I'm looking at too to kind of flip this over is uh, the categories. Mm-hmm. What I what I don't see on this ADP 100 to 150 list for hitters is a single hitter projected to hit 30 home runs. And wow, this is right. uh, this is ATC projections that we're using. Uh, that are available on fan graphs and that that stuck out to me and i've i've kind of felt this in drafts where if i feel like i'm behind on power early 
if I, you know, just go pitcher heavy or I, I, I focus a little bit too much on steals, it's actually a little bit harder than I thought to make up power in this range. And, and we're kind of seeing that. Now, granted, there are like Spencer Torkelson's projected for 29, Cass is 27, uh, Josh Young 26, Teoscar 26. There are power bats. Um, Anthony Santander, I believe, is at the bottom at the end here, who's almost at 30. There are power bats, but there's no like single bullet that can that can make up your power. So just just keep keep track of that. Um, decent batting average sources. There's a number of guys hitting over 270, and, and speed is still available here. Speed is still available here. We've got four or five guys projected for, or maybe six guys projected for over 20 steals. Um, you've got another bunch if you take the route I did in labor and go like 10 to 15 steals at a time. You've got a ton of those guys, Swanson, Springer, Bogarts, Josh Naylor, Lane Thomas, Suzuki, Steer. Um, so there's a lot of balance here as well, but there's not that like group of uh, top-notch power hitters that are available here. Um, and granted, because it is later in the draft, but uh, but just know that that it's a little bit tougher to make up power, I think, in, these, in this part of the draft. Yeah, I, I agree. The power is an issue. I actually am impressed with the uh batting average assets in this one that's actually pretty nice all things considered in this range because that'll drop off precipitously as the draft goes on so you might want to maybe approach that here and then take your shots on maybe some late power if you have to at a different time i don't know it depends on how you want to to build it out most of the um stolen base upside here most of it not all of it but most is there's a lot of middle infield options here so that's another point to talk about because Early in the drafts, we talk about those elite shortstops. There's a decent amount of uh, shortstops here. You mentioned Bogarts. We've got uh, Swanson, who we kind of a lot of people think is due for a much better season than last year. We'll see. That's like up in the air, up for debate. We got Tyros down here, some second basements. You got Geloff, who love him or hate him, he'll run at least, um, and a few other guys here. So you have that option. It's more like, do you want to take chances on some of these uh, corner guys? I think where it gets it really interesting. Yeah. Yep. I, uh, I'm, I, I'm with you. It, it's pretty, it is pretty nice. The, uh, the middle infield stock here. And again, took, uh, took our man, Tyro Estrada, who we'll talk about in labor on, uh, on Tuesday. On the flip side, on the pitching side, I want to go back there real quick. Just, you mentioned you're not a fan of a lot of these pitchers here. Uh, ratios start going out the window, uh, in this section. Yeah, it starts to get, Actually. yep. Yep quickly like you still got a bunch of guys that get you about 150 plus k's okay so that's nice not bad but your era guys are starting to fly out of here because most of the ones that are in green are closers so like you mentioned steel and uh, and bybee after that like you got sunny gray michael king bieber like do we believe in all of that really i don't know that's a question we'll do we're gonna talk about a couple of those guys later in the show as well so um ratios be damned it's another I guess, conversation point that many have is why you want to get one or two studs early because those are kind of like how Ryan likes to pound the floor on. I want Freeman for average. Is Michael Harris for average, that kind of stuff. Those elite starters, a big reason why you take them early is the innings with those elite ratios because ratios go out the window here pretty soon. So you need those guys early. That's the biggest reason to take them early, in my opinion. But anything yeah. else that stands out to you in the pitching department? Well, and those early guys get you the Ks. And there's yeah. there, there, there are a few high strikeout starters in this range like dylan cease at 201 hundred green 107 projected but like you just said you're you're that, that comes at a cost that comes at a cost so 
Um, so no, I think we covered the, the pitchers well. It starts, yeah, it starts to starts to unravel a little bit at the end of this group. So we'll see. Yep. Um, yeah. All right, we shall see. Let's, uh, without further ado, ADP debates. Let's have some fun on this one here. And Bloom, you got the first one. So what you got? All right. So what I wanted to do with this one is talk about two pitchers that uh, we're not really in on. I don't, I'm speaking for myself, but no, you're, Shane, you're, you're correct. Shane Bieber and Carlos Rodon, and I just wanted to bring it up because we, you know, we we may not be in on them, but I I get the case for taking each one at this point in the draft, and I think some listeners are probably in on one or the other. Uh, my my question to you with these two, if you if you if you were pinned down and had to take one of these two, uh, and and I'll preface it that there's a ton of injury risk with both of, both of these guys both have been elite starting pitchers before if i had to pin you down which yeah we'll move on from that uh <laughs> yeah it's, it's which, gonna take a few people to pin me down but yes we're, we're going with this which, one. Which, which 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 one are you speculating on well, neither one of them are pinning me down to be be frank but uh i'd go carlos rodon out of the two and it kind of goes back to my kind of philosophy on pitchers, especially if I'm going to take, I guess, riskier pitchers. I want the guys that can potentially get me strikeouts. And uh, Rodon's that dude. We know what he is locked in. He is a strikeout machine. In, in 21 and 22, we saw Rodon with a 27.9 and a 26.1K to walk, like over 33% strikeout rates in both those years with uh, elite whips, elite ratios. He was a great pitcher for two years. There's no denying that. The injury concerns are real, like you mentioned. But you look at Bieber, and it's just been a perpetual just kind of downfall. Like the ratios have somehow survived. The uh, ERA indicators haven't always been there, but they're not bad. They're, they're still good. Like his XFIPs and everything are fine. But with with Bieber, the strikeout rate just continues to drop year after year. And it's kind of had me off of him for a while, but 33 to 25 to 20%. He had a 13.7% K to walk last year. And people might want to say, okay, injury, year before 20.5. Like this is a guy that used to be so much better in that department. And it's just left the building. I can already hear the argument. Oh, he's going to drive line. He's adding velocity. All this thing. Like you're seeing this everywhere. And there's a lot to that. I'm not going to say that's wrong, but uh, I'll take my chances on Rodon if you're making me pick between the two. Yeah, I think I, I I I agree with you. I think if you're going to take the injury risk here, you want the top five starting pitcher ceiling type of reward. And yes, Shane Bieber has been that before, but that was the COVID season in 2020 where he was he was the number one player in all of fantasy. I just think Rodon, you know, if they're both healthy, I think Rodon has the higher ceiling. And so if I'm choosing between those two, if I'm going to take that plunge. I'm going to go with the guy who I think uh, returns more if it hits. So, yep. With you on that one, um, let's have some fun here because this is a we used to two pitchers neither of us really like. Well, now there's two pitchers that both of us can at least have a conversation about. And yeah. um, we're going to go Justin Steele and Tanner Bybee. You know, Steele's got the 104 ADP. Bybee's got the 107. So pretty much pick your poison when you're on the draft board. And it's just a fun one because we've seen Steele get better and better over two years, looking like the ace of the Cubs. We've discussed Bybee. Like face value numbers look really, really good, but there are some like, oh, look at the ERA indicators, the XFIPs and all that. And But – I think you've at least kind of turned to at least be a little more optimistic on this article, this this concept of Tanner Bybee. So who would you pick between these two? I mean, I, I had this decision 
in labor on Tuesday night. And yes, I think did. it went, what, seventh or eighth round? Yep. Eighth round. No. Yeah, eighth round. I took uh, I took Tanner Bybee. I, I, they, I literally have them projected for the exact same ERA and whip. <laughs> I've got Bybee for five fewer innings and one point higher strikeout rate. So that's how close these two guys are to me. So I don't, I don't really have a strong preference between the two. Um, I would take Bybee. I made this, I made this comment during the labor stream is that Bybee, you know, even though I'm projecting them the same, Bybee's coming up to that number with, I think a little bit more potential to go above. Whereas steel has steel has done it still has steel has beaten this projection before, but I think we all know we're not going to see 2023 again from Justin Steele. I think the fate will be will be light, um, but I think it'll he'll still be fine. But uh, for that reason, it's it's very close. But I'll go I'll go Bobby plus again your uh, you know your 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 art your Substack article on Bobby just. So good. Just, so just good. Tied it up. So yeah, um, yeah. It's like we said on the show on your, on the labor show. I was like, Bybee. We saw his floor. It feels like Steel. We've seen kind of the ceiling. Like if Steel pitches great, I think this is kind of who he is. Where I don't know, there's another level to Steel. Where Bybee literally, it's, it's and even even Big John Stud tweeted it out uh, yesterday on Wednesday. Similar things to basically what is in my article. He's he he was looking at it and said it's just like a pitch, like a tweak in his arsenal. Like it's it's right there. For the taking now, will they do it? Who knows? I trust Cleveland. They've done very well with pitching throughout their their time. So I, I'd like to to think that's the angle. So like with Bybee, like you said, Bybee's coming up, still be coming down. I think there's another level to Bybee that he could jump to that maybe even surpasses Steele. I don't know about how much though. That's the question. Like where your projections are make a lot of sense. They're pretty darn close. But I'll, I'll take the chance on the guy that could show us more compared to the guy that has to pitch that great again to be that good if that makes sense so yeah give me tanner by as well both for me and i mentioned this at the top are like the the two starters i like in this range so i probably will end up with a good number of both of them um just because of what isn't there after that yep and that's the beauty of auctions you people listening in maybe i'll get both that's right you can get both yeah have fun with that people sit on that one tonight all right what's your next one bloom all right um Mentioned this earlier, but we're going two shortstops. One who we think is just like ironclad floor, super safe in Dansby Swanson versus a rookie who went, what? Anthony Volpe. Did he go 2020 last year? 21-24. A rookie, a rookie who went 21 and 25, it looks like. 24. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah, 21-24. But hit 205 with a 282 OBP. Um, the uh, well, I'll get your opinion on it first. I know who you're going to go with, but uh, why is it Dansby Swanson? Uh, it's the floor for one. Uh, that that's a starter. I also believe that 147 games last year. Okay, he had an IL stint because he put 160 plus two straight years. He's a um, the power was there last year. The speed was not, but he's really only had that 18 steals one time. It's more the the batting average I expect to go back up to at least like two two sixty ish or so, which will do a lot more run production. Like what we saw in Atlanta was probably the ceiling of 25, 99, 96, 18, 277. That's an elite offense. But I think maybe you as well. I think this Cubs offense is pretty darn good. If Say improves, you got Hap. Um, if they bring Bellinger back, like there, there, there's a lot of pieces to the puzzle in Chicago that um, Swanson will be 
kind of censored around there. So I expect another big season from Swanson. Uh, this is a guy that was going probably 20, 30 picks earlier at one point last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take the floor with more upside here, and people start to think maybe they're going to regret not getting like a 25, 12 to 15 steal guy that, that has a 180-plus runs in RBIs where Volpe, okay, the power speed's good. Um, he's actually gotten bigger this offseason. I saw the, the pictures of him online when taking batting practice. I don't know if I want him getting bigger, if that makes sense at all. So yeah, give me give me Dansby Swanson all day on this one. All right. Um, so Dansby Swanson per my 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 aggregated projections, which is everyone's favorite word now, is uh he's the second best hitter in this entire group. So uh projections wise, Dansby is there, and then you yeah, you tack on that floor of the consistency. I hear you. Um I will make the case though that we've seen Anthony Volpe's floor. And it's a 21, it's a 2020 guy. And that's fair. and he did it in his age 21 season in New York. And and you have, I mean, you you bang this drum all the time with projections and young players, and like with you all we we should expect some growth from, from Anthony Volpe in his second mm-hmm. full season. So that that's the case I'll make for Volpe is that like that's fair. And and I, I don't see like I don't think he can get much worse as an actual hitter. Than he did last year, and New York stuck with Volpe. I mean, he had 604 plate appearances. I, I I think the playing time's safe to go 2020 again. And if there's any kind of growth with the plate skills, you've got uh, I think a much higher ceiling with Volpe, even as soon as 2024 than you than you do with Swanson. So that's uh, that's the case for Volpe. I certainly get it. Um, I did not realize Volpe. I guess it's a combination of the the terrible batting average and on base percentage and hitting low in uh, the Yankees order. He only had 61 runs and 60 RBI last yeah, year and was, 600 plate appearances. It was bad. Um, so there is, there and, is and that. And like he had the 20 bat- home runs and still only had 60, 60. I know if, if the batting average and OBP do stay that bad, the runs in RBI are going to suffer. So you're kind of getting like a one and a half category guy. I know, I know I'm kind of talking two face here and giving the, the pros and cons, but that's kind of what I want to do with this is to just kind of lay that out and and you guys can pretty much decide for yourselves. But uh, he's a Volpe's a fascinating case for me. He's very volatile. And, um, and then, so like part of your argument there, I can see why people want to draft him because what if he does improve, which you would imagine he would, he's that, he's that talented. They ran with him all year. Like all these things you're saying make a hundred percent sense. Like if he went and went 30, 30, like, is that out of the realm of possibilities? Maybe not. Like, what if he goes at least, you know, 22, like the steals might go 22, 30. And what if he goes 80, 80? Okay. That's pretty darn good right there. Like that's definitely feasible. Like all he has to do is buy at 240 and all this comes to fruition. And yeah. is that asking a lot? Maybe not from a guy that's going to be what, 22, 23 this year. You said like, that's, that's pretty darn reasonable. So now you got me kind of second guessing. Like, it's one of those. I think if you have been very safe throughout your draft, might be a guy we're taking a chance on. I could, I, I could see the argument. Like, there's other guys we'll talk about throughout these episodes where I'm, like, I'm 100% like, no, not happening. I can see the angle for Volpe if you have the right team build. I'll say that much. Like, he's not completely off my board. It's just I'm just such a safe guy. But that was also DC's where I want that safeness where yeah. now I'm going to go in an OC draft. And you know what? If he sucks so much, yep. maybe the Yankees don't trust him again this year. And we just move on. Like there's that kind of angle that you can kind of navigate those things. And that 
I think in an OC, now that we're talking about this more out loud, he actually does seem kind of appealing to me right here. Like there is an angle where all right, it is interesting. I, I'm I'm turning you around on him. This is why I love mission these accomplished. That's why I love it because this is all about building your team throughout the draft. And now I could see an angle where, if say you go and get Freeman and Harris early, which is a start I'm starting to really like, you can kind of take that gamble on him getting to a 240 average and being pretty darn good for your team, like really good for your team. What if, so. what if what if it my I hate to keep talking about my labor team, but I think it's a good just example. Like would have been would have been a great fit on that team with the Freeman Albies. Two guys where runs yeah. and RBI are locked in and batting average. And if I needed steals and, and some power, um, that True. would make sense. It's interesting that the projections all have pretty much Volpe improving his batting average by 30 points. Two thirties yeah. in projections. So I don't know. Yeah, that'll be one that I'm gonna have to really stew on here for a bit because I was Early in draft season, it's like, no, nope, not going to deal with it. The average sucks so much, just not doing it. But I think there's an avenue to something intriguing, to say the least. Let's put it that way. All right, my last one here. Talk about boring versus boring. <laughs> it's Alex Bregman versus Nolan Arenado. I know Bregman's been a, a fun conversation for us throughout this draft season, but there are some that believe in Arenado, too. So how do you uh, look at these two? And I'll throw up uh, Adam... Uh, apologies, apologies if I mispronounce the last name. Uh, Recamp, Recamp. You can you can clarify it for us, Adam, because you've been you've been checking us out a bunch lately. So thanks for listening and, and chatting. Adam says, uh, "I will say I want my third baseman before I get to this range." Um, I felt that pain and labor uh, t- waiting until Matt Chapman. And oh, did you not have now. a third baseman yet? Yeah, no, it uh, apparently wasn't a position. Gotcha. In labor, the weird rules. Weird rules. That's right. Uh, Adam says, I, I, "I want, I want my third baseman before I get to this range." Bregman would be the last one at, that I would be comfortable with, and I agree with that. I, I think Bregman is, is very, is, I don't want to say above and beyond Arenado. I get the kind of bounce back case for Arenado, but Bregman's my guy. Uh, we, we, we've been talking runs in RBI, and and Bregman is the runs in RBI king. I believe had over 100 in yep. each. Last season, he's in that lineup. He plays every single day. Um, he's just one of these guys. Like the power skills are never going to be off the, you know, the barrel. The stat cast is never going to be off the charts. But he pulls his power. He knows what he's doing, especially in Houston with the Crawford boxes and that sort of thing. So, um, Alex Bregman is is for me definitely the pick over Arenado, who I think there's a there's yes there's a there's a there's a bounce back component to Arenado. He's been one of the best hitters in baseball the last. 10 years, but that's the thing, 10 years, like the dude's getting old. He's had back problems. I just feel like this, I, I want to get out on Arenado a year early than a year too late. Yeah, I, I can feel that he's only going to be 33 though, which is pretty crazy to start giving up on a guy. I not disagreeing with you. Bregman has been my circled guy here. Like even what Adam was saying about third baseman in this range, it's Bregman, Arenado and Josh Young, who now has a calf injury and will get reevaluated in two to three weeks. Is that it? Yeah. There's only three third. That's basemen. all it's, yeah, yeah. it's all it's in this range. So that just goes to show you even more about what's going on in this draft. So yeah, it's a, a very interesting spot. I'm obviously team Bregman. That's, that's not uh, in the question here. Cause you, you want to go even deeper. He had over 200 runs in RBIs last year. He had over 180 the year before. He had an injured season, 2020. Prior to that, was two like 230, 230 in those. The last two years, 23, 25 homers. He's at 259, 262. It's just consistent, man. It's just what he does. He's in a great lineup yet again this year. 
Um, I, I do like Bregman quite a bit. I have a lot of shares of Bregman. It's boring as beautiful in my mind with, with Alex Bregman. And, uh, yeah, just keep going to bat on that one. So that stands out uh, quite a bit to me. And almost no third baseman after because this, this ADP yep. is the last, like, 10 drafts mm-hmm. and um, probably before the Josh Young news. So, Yep. It's a big bit of difference here. Um, Nick, we will get to your comment, but I will throw it out here now because we will talk about these players. How is Cole Reagan's under Cease and Bybee? Well, under Cease, I'll, I'll let you have. Bybee, let's have a discussion. I know Nick's not as big on Bybee as I am, but uh, and he's obviously Team Cole, so he's got that going for him. But um, let's get into some of our targets in this range, Ryan. And this is where um, this is the only the weird – well, it's not weird – we have a lot of similar drafting styles, so we will have a lot of similar fades and targets on this show. So we we have managed to split them up nicely. But yeah. like his sec Ryan's second target, we'll talk about. When I filled mine out, I purposely did not put them on there because I knew he would want to talk about him. Where he already filled one of mine in for me when we did this as well. So like we kind of have a, a feel for this. But who was your first target in this range? Uh, my first one is so I mentioned the lack of power in this group. Um, I think the best power hitter, maybe outside of Torkelson, but I think the batting average won't be as good, is Anthony Santander, who's going at the bottom of this group, going at 141. Uh, Santander is projected at 250 with 28 homers. Uh, huge fly ball stroke. Barrel rate is is excellent. The power is just, I mean, you're, you're getting, like you can, kind of pencil in 30 home runs with Santander though. The playing time is there 650 plate appearances each of the last two seasons. And um, hits the ball so hard that like the batting average hit 257 last year, Santander did. I'm not fully expecting a repeat of that, but I think it'd be like 245, 250. And if you compare that with, uh, or combine that with the power that he's going to give you. And I always get this like concept stuck in my head, but I feel like, Keep saying like the wall hurts Anthony Santander, but he is a switch hitter. So most of his plate appearances are as a lefty and it doesn't hurt as much. So um, Santander for, for those reasons. And again, just at a spot in the draft where there's not that much power and you can get him in the, in the batting average won't hurt you like it would maybe with a Torkelson who's going 20, 25 picks earlier. Yeah. I'm honestly surprised because there is more talk this year on Santander than in most years but he's still not getting that kind of boost in ADP where I figured he would, you know, 141s. I'm not I'm just guessing on the top of my head is much higher than last year than what he's been going, but it feels like he's proven who he is now. So I'm with you. And uh, at the top of the show, you mentioned like no one projected for over 30. I was like the guys I could see doing it, Santander, uh, Torque, and like T Oscar are the three. I feel kind of comfortable going and, yeah. and Costas probably. Costas, I was going to yeah, add. Yep, yeah. Yep. So like those, like the four, I'm like, okay, the projections are probably a little low on them, but not by much, like one or two on the projections. But I'm like, those are the ones I kind of pick if I'm going there. So we'll talk about a couple of those in our targets here for probably similar reasons. All right. For me, this is the, the one that uh, Ryan wrote in for me. And I think anybody that's listened to any of my content over the last couple of years, it's Tyro Estrada. This is a pretty simple one for me, but people are at least kind of enjoying him this year in draft season where last year he was like a late middle infield target and this and that. And people said he couldn't produce the power. He couldn't do whatever, all these things. Uh, he went and hit 271 last year at 14 home runs in 120 games. Cause he had a fluky injury. Um, I'll, I'll give him that much. 
The, the power is pretty legit. He had 23 steals in those 120 games compared to 21 the year before. Still managed to score 63 runs, hitting at the top of that bad Giants batting order. So I'll give him that as well. RBIs will be garbage. They just won't be there on the Giants. Even with Solaire, that ain't going to matter because he's hitting leadoff and it, it won't matter. But the power is legit. And I argued this last year and people fought back and they're not fighting back as much this year. They still are, but not as bad. He's he's closer to a 20 home run guy than people give him credit that's, for. That's what I was going to say. Define define legit because he's closer to legit 20. is like Santander. The bad X hasn't projected for 11 home runs. That's, okay. I'm sorry, garbage. But that's because the bat factor is in StatCast. I'll give him that. And if you look at uh, Estrada's StatCast numbers, 4.8% barrel, 33.7% hard hit rate. Not great. You know what Santander, or uh, sorry, Tyro did last year? Estrada. He had his career high max EV of 110.5. The year before, 109.3. I pointed this out with uh, with Tyro, and we've seen him with other guys that aren't like big, big power guys. When they do hit the ball hard, they hit it very hard. And Estrada can pull it and hit it very hard. So that's where he's not going to be a 30 home run guy ever, I don't think. But you can get 20 homers, 30 steals. He might get you like 85 runs scored. And if he hits 265 to 270, you're sitting pretty pretty good at this point in the draft. As we already mentioned, a lot of shortstops in this range. So you can only imagine after this, when we do next episode, they're going to start dwindling here. Second base really is not attractive after this. Like there's guys you'll 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 do you'll deal with, but you don't want to. So this is kind of that last buffer zone of, hey, let's get somebody here and make it happen. So I'm a huge Tyro fan. I've said it enough. You probably are sick of listening to me talk about him, but he's better than people give him credit for. He just needs to stay healthy. What what's your read on the running game in San Francisco this year? I think they'll run wild. Look at uh, what San Diego did last year. House on Kim yeah. ran like crazy. Um, Tatis ran. Like those guys, if you could run, you ran in San Diego. Let's put it that way. Baseball forecaster put an upside projection of 20 homers and 30 bags. Oh, that was me. <laughs> that was you me, hang, apparently. You've been, you've been hanging back, out with me too much. Back in October. No, that was, well, yeah, I was hanging out with you back in October. <laughs> uh, so the baseball forecaster, a.k.a. Bloomfield's page, uh, said 20, 20 homers and 30 bags upside. So I uh, obviously agree with pretty much everything you just said all right who's your next target who is definitely a target of both of ours uh it's it's so i mentioned swans dansby swanson's the second highest second best projected hitter in this group uh the top projected hitter is Seiya suzuki and so i i just think like I, this is someone I am looking into first half, second half splits because he was hurt in the first half, and the first half numbers were were terrible. It was two forty six batting average, six homers, and one steal for Suzuki. Missed the first two weeks with an oblique injury, then had neck issues in June. Um, second half at three twenty, fourteen homers, five bags. Like you can't extrapolate that, um, and with a ton of skill support. I won't just read off all the numbers, but like the power firmly backed the power skills firmly backed the the home run output for for suzuki um the strikeout rate went way down anytime i see strikeout rates go down and and barrels go up that's always a good thing i don't know like so I only had the six deals last year and actually was thrown out more than he was successful so that's one part of the projection that um i might seed is like i i think of suzuki as a 10 stolen base guy and maybe he's not but I think the, the the batting average 
home run profile is, is strong. You alluded to the Cubs lineup earlier in the show, Bubba. I think the runs in RBI will be there as long as he's healthy. Finish the year healthy, and that, that means a lot to me. More more so for pitchers, but also for hitters. And uh, I don't know. For all those reasons, Seiya Suzuki is is like one of my favorite targets, if not my favorite target in this range. Yep, I completely agree. We've talked about him a ton. I have shares in all the kind of formats I've been drafting in. So, um, yeah, he needs to. Be, I, I have way too many Cubs, period, between underdog and other things. That they, they are showing up and, all and, over. And way too list. many teams, fantasy teams. Okay, you got to take a shot like that, huh? That's fine. That's fine. I'll remember these things. I remember I'm drafting we've agreed, tomorrow night. We've agreed with, with each other too much this episode, so I had to, had to, yes, had to throw that fair. in a little that's bit. That's fair. Yeah, I deserve it. I, I've never, never ran away from my drafting addiction. All right. Um, now, we already kind of mentioned our main pitching targets are Sale and Bybee in this range. Nick Pollock, if you want to be on bench with Bubba next week, we can talk about Cole Reagans and other pitchers. More than welcome. Let me know. Um, because I do want to have more of a discussion than this this chat because that was offensive about the Tanner Bybee stuff right there. Wink, wink. But um, I wanted to mention a third pitcher just for fun because we've kind of talked about Chris Sale a few times. Yeah. I know we mentioned it like in the labor draft, like, hey, that was a good value where he went just for like the potential of Chris Sale. So I just wanted to bring it up because we, we've, you know, we've hit on Verlanders and Scherzers and these other old pitchers that are, you know, coming back from injuries. And what we saw from Sale last year, if he's, if people look at his normal stat line, you see the 4-3 ERA and, you know, get kind of worried. But what I see with Chris Sale, I saw 102 and two-thirds innings pitched, which is really good for me seeing that after where he's been. Also seeing a near 30% K rate and 22.6% K to walk. That's getting closer to the Chris Sale we, we, we want to see. And then we just saw his improvements as the first half and second half, like his second half of 392 ERA. So he, he dropped that down from a 458 as he got kind of more comfortable going into the second half. And he and he had like a, another IL stint after he first returned. So probably still ironing some things out. He had a 30.7% uh, K, to, K to walk in the second half of the season. So, uh, or no, sorry, he had a 30%. 7% K rate, 22.7% yeah. K to walk. So these are the things that these improvements from Seal I wanted to see. And it's one of those things, if he is healthy, what's to stop 150 innings pitch from Chris Sale? Maybe more. You never know. But like 150 of a Chris Sale like we saw in the second half, he doesn't have to be elite where you're drafting him at. If he were to give you a 3-8 ERA with that strikeout rate for 150 innings of that ADP as your, as your SP3, to me, that is very, very strong. I think there's just a ceiling that Sale can bring it. Some of these other guys might not bring to the table. And that bring, makes him kind of attractive in this range. Um, I, 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 I'm in on sale too. 100, 103 innings is a lot more than I thought Chris Sale threw last year. And like you said, every, I, the, the skills looked great despite the pedestrian 430 ERA. Question to you, Sale is in the similar. He's going a little bit earlier than uh, Rodon and Bieber. Um, you're fully on board with Sale over those over those two guys? Yes, over those two guys. I'll have those two guys over Sale. Yeah. Oh no, no, no. You said Rodon and Bieber. I want Sale over. Rodon and yes. Bieber. Yes. Sorry. Yes. I heard Bieber. I thought you meant Bybee. Yes. Rodon and Bieber. I want Sale over both of them. Ceiling wise, I've got Rodon. Then ceiling wise, Sale, Rodon. Then... I just don't trust the innings. Yeah, and that's. I think the. I think that's it. I think I can trust Sale at least. And as weird as this sounds, trust Sale to throw uh, more quality innings in a worst case scenario than I can the other two. So. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, Nick Pollock's just going off in the in the chat, which is awesome to see. 
He's about keeping me distracted that. right now. About He's Tanner Biden. so distracted right now. And then we've got, I can see Bubba looking over. Then we've got Rico coming in. Death taxes and Nick's love of Cole Reagans. So, um, so we've got Ooh, that. Halterman, we will talk about Michael King in just a minute. Don't you worry. Um, it's, it's a good, good, good point there. Willing to lose your third target. Man, so many things to monitor and watch here. This is crazy. It's good. Keep the comments coming, folks. Cedric Mullins, I'm playing. I'm 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 playing the bounce back card. Uh, this time last year, Cedric Mullins was like what a third round pick. Cedric Mullins in 21 and 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 22 was pretty much a fir borderline first round player. And yes, I will I will admit everything fell apart last year, especially in the second half for Cedric Mullins. I think he was playing hurt in the second half, had a midseason groin strain. Uh, missed some time there and just never really looked the same afterwards to the point where he wasn't really even playing against left-handed pitching by the end of the year. I think a healthy Cedric Mullins bounce is not fully back to like what we saw in 2021, but why not 2022? I mean, he's, this is Cedric Mullins is age 29 season. It's not like, it's not like he's old. I mean, you, you can, you can play the rebound card on old guys, but it's, it's a little bit tougher of an explanation as they start to age. Mullins to me is young enough to turn things around. He's shown the track record for two full years of being uh, frankly elite fantasy player and uh, just had, just had one bad year that I think we can chalk some of that up to injury. Uh, and for all those reasons, Mullins, um, I think is a great bounce back for next year. Yeah, I'm still not 100% there. I know you are, and even before you mentioned this, you've been drafting them and everything. I can see it. Um, the platoon situation kind of left last year finally, which was my biggest concern with him because it actually did occur for a while. That was a thing. But, um, yeah, I'm still I'm still nervous on him. I could be, that could be a total miss on my part. But uh, there's you, other, other guys I like in this range. Do you still think the platoon is, is a concern? I do. I do. But because uh, they don't, I mean, they don't have anybody. They yet. don't have anybody right now. Though, but they have these. They have, and the glove is really, good. They have some but... really good prospects that they want to get up. So that's my only concern in that regard. But yes, his glove is good. His glove is very good, and that should keep him in the lineup. But his ability to hit left-handed pitching is not, and that is a concern. So um, we'll we'll see where that goes. But I, uh, yeah, I could see it. I could see where you're going with it. I'm just not there. You got me on Volpe. You're not going to get me on, yeah, yeah. me on Mullins. If I, if I can get you on one at this point in draft yeah. season, I'm, I'll, I'll call it a yeah, win. Not, Anything yeah. else is gravy. 100%. All right, I'll keep this one short and sweet because we talked T. Oscar Hernandez to death. But yep. uh, I I love this. You obviously could not predict or you, you could not want pretty much a better landing spot than the Dodgers. But even in a quote-unquote down on the season, it felt like from T. Oscar, 26 homers, 93 RBIs, seven steals even, and a 258 average. Like he's pretty much a, a solid, you know, 260-ish average guy, give or take. Maybe it's a little better. But you're getting 25 to 30 home runs. You're going to get run production on, on the Dodgers. Might get even better counting stats. And he's literally going to get you seven or eight steals like the projections have because what he does. I love, I've said it a million times, the ability to just – Go to a draft board and write in a stat line that's pretty much going to happen if he plays is a beautiful thing. And going to L.A. only accentuates what he can do. He's going to hit cleanup majority of the games there, if not fifth. He's not platooning. He's playing every game outside of occasional rest day. T. Oscar is just a beast of this spot. I thought he would move up more when the Dodgers drafted him or signed him. They have not. So give me all the T. Oscar Hernandez in the world. And it's kind of nice that, like, Freddie Freeman – isn't like a huge power bat, but he gets on base 
all the time. So there, there will be ducks on the pond. Same with like Will Smith. Uh, I think those guys are going to be on base quite a bit for Teoscar when he's up. Uh, smashed a Joe Musgrove, terrible Joe Musgrove curveball, but a Joe Musgrove curveball in uh, in today's spring training game for what it's worth. So he looks he looks locked in. Um, I'm fully on board with what you just said about Teoscar. But we've talked about him a lot. So. Yeah, so I wasn't going to go too deep into him because we got some fades to talk about here, Mr. Bloomfield. And who is your first fade, which makes a lot of sense. It's... Uh, it's Adalberto Mon. Oh no, it's it's Malik Smith. Oh oh no, it's Delano De Shields. Jun- oh oh no, it's uh, Esteri Ruiz. Um, we've talked about we've talked about him a bunch, but for me, it's just it's the all eggs in one basket thing. There's just so much. Even if you take him and the, the valuation looks good on paper, the dollar value or you know your projected stats, it's just so hard to time um, and put all of your stolen bases in one in one basket if Ruiz gets hurt or, and I've made this parallel before, or if he hits and you have other stolen base guys who hit and you're not in a trading league, a lot of what Ruiz could do is excess steals that you don't need. That's kind of the flip side to it. Um, I go back to the example of in our draft champions last year, I had a Cunha and a Stereo Ruiz on the same team. And like, I was so far ahead in steals. I didn't even start Ruiz, even though he was healthy. So, um, yeah, a, a, a very, very big fade. It's just not the way I, I build teams. Yep, yep, totally agree. Nothing really to add to that. It's one-trick pony, way too early in drafts. Not going that direction. Uh, my first guy, and what most people should know, is Andrew Bogarts. This one for me. You know, 19 homers last year, that's great. You know, 15 the year before, 23. Uh, you know, he's pretty much been this 15 to 20 guy. It feels like that's kind of where he's going to be heading down the stretch here. Scored his 83 runs again. That's kind of what you got. RBIs are down to 58 last year as the Padres struggle. That should come back a bit. He hit 285. He's a bad and average guy. That's fine. The 19 steals. People are paying for that, it feels like, because we got Swanson going after this. We've got Volpe going after this. We got Tyro going after like there's, there's shortstops I'll take way over Xander Bogarts. Uh, Xander Bogarts hadn't stole that many bags. He stole this is career high, actually. Last time he got close, that was 15 in 2017. X doesn't run like that anymore. That's just not who he is. I know the new environment, people might point to it. Not that kind of excess to me. And you mentioned, did the, did, will the Giants run? Sander ran, for crying out loud. So yeah, that's, that's, that, that's a that good should, point. That should say something to you. Like Lamont Wade, watch out, everybody. Just kidding. 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 But, um, yeah, I'm just... Xander, he's the boring, is beautiful type, like the Bregman, but Bregman to me is much better than Xander. And I'm just going to pass when I could take other players later at the shortstop position I like a lot more. It's just a bias of mine that I've ran with, and it's paid off way more often than not, and I'm going to keep staying on that train. I'm surprised at you. I'm surprised. This is, uh, I mean, this is a Bubba safety pick that you, that you, that you covet so much. They can't all be safe. Bogarts, I'm going to make the case for Bogarts. Batting average the last five years, 309, 300, 295, 307, 285. Maybe I'm just like way too much into batting average this year. Um, but that is that is elite, and it's it's 600-plus plate appearances of that batting average every year. Like that's, that's huge. Um, I'll give you that the stolen bases probably won't repeat, but why not 10 to 15? with i mean he hit 19 homers last year with a sore wrist which mm-hmm. could still be sore he said uh, he's been year. battling a sore wrist for the last three or four yeah, years i don't i don't think uh maybe i'll walk that back a little bit because i don't think that's just gonna <laughs> go away 
But he did hit 19, uh, hit 23 back in 2021, scores a ton of runs. Like, I think Xander Bogarts, and again, from a projection standpoint, he's he, he out-earns this, this ADP. So, um, I, I actually, I like Bogarts. I, I, I like him a little bit less than Swanson, but I don't think it's that much of a gap. I'll take Tyro Estrada over Xander Bogarts. Let's tell you that right now. Um, I yeah, I would too, but I love Estrada too. So. And Bogarts is going to get second base eligibility if people want to play that game. I'll, I'll throw that out Good there. Point. Yep. Uh, if people want to play that, but I don't know, man. Like if we're talking RBIs, he's going to hit like Curlin on MLBPlayingTime.com has him hitting either second or third, depending on lefty righty. The bottom of that order is so atrocious in San Diego. You better pray Tatis is on base for him a lot. Like there's the RBI situations is not going to be a is mm-hmm. going to be uh, too good there, but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. I just, I, I can't do it. Um, all right. Who's your next guy? Uh, who do I have? Evan Carter, full count Carter. Two big reasons. I think he platoons in Texas. Um, or if he does play against lefties, you don't want Evan Carter to play. So maybe, maybe that's the more, the more accurate because Texas probably should let him figure out try to figure out lefties you don't want to kind of pigeonhole somebody this early in their career but my point my second point still stands where like you don't want to even start evan carter on weeks where texas is playing like three lefties it's 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 everything we've seen in the minors is is bad um and i also just think evan carter is bad against lefties i should say because there is there is a ton of prospect pedigree but the lefty thing hurts and i also like I just think he gets a lot of pub for being a good baseball player. And I don't know if it's how much that translates to fantasies to me, at least so far from what we've seen, just kind of that passive draws walks type of guy and doesn't like steal a ton of bases to really take advantage of it. So I just think uh, I call it Juan Soto It's it's you know, you want him to swing more, get that batting average up and hit. I think he's a little bit too passive for fantasy. At this point, and again, it's his first prolonged exposure to MLB pitching. So, fully will admit there is a, a ceiling here that is that is pretty damn attractive. But I think we're more likely to see a mid middle of the road outcome, or even worse, uh, for Evan Carter. Yeah, it feels like this is one of our standards. Prove it to me, guys. Like, prove to me that you can do this for that ADP. Uh, Gialdi said thinks that the Rangers will give him plenty yeah. of run. I think they I think, will. I do too. think so too. I, I do. I just I don't think you want that run. That run might he might trip over himself and fall in a ditch. Like the first half of the run might be horrible until he figures it out, and by then does he hurt your team too much type scenario? But who knows? Who knows? Who knows? That's the fun of trying to predict all this stuff. I'll say my next guy is pretty cut and dry to me. It's Dylan Cease. <laughs> I mean, I mean um, yeah, this one's pretty pretty easy on this regard. Uh, you know what he does well? Throws innings through 177, 184. He's got that going for him. Strikes guys out. Yeah, I'll give him that on. much. There we go. Come on. He strikes guys out 32, 30, 27. Okay. That's actually gone backwards in three straight years. Just throwing that out there. You know what he also does a lot of? Walk people. Over a 10% <laughs> K rate the last two years, 9.6. He's actually been 10, 9.6 or higher in all five years, 10% or more in four out of five. He had a K to walk of 17.2 last year. He's only had one season over over twenty percent, and that was the only season he was really, really. No, it wasn't. That wasn't even his good year. That's the scary part. He had a four five eight ERA last year, but more importantly, the walks give you the whip. One four two, one eleven, one two five, one four four, one five five. 
those whips with those innings pitched will destroy your pitching staff in that, at least that category. I want nothing to do with Dylan Cease. If he figures it out, I'll tip my cap, but uh, not not on my team. The one thing I'll add, uh, great great summary, well done, is the team context. Not going to get much wins with Dylan Cease from a run support standpoint with the White Sox, but also because of all those walks, Cease does not pitch deep into games. And so you're turning three to even four innings sometimes to a bullpen that looks atrocious, absolutely atrocious this year. And I can just see Dylan Cease pitching five innings, giving up two runs, leaving with a 4-2 lead. And like, there's no way that lead holds for four innings. So I think the win potential as well for Dylan Cease is pretty low. I'm very proud of Andy Gialdi here. Your team will cease to have a good whip. Well done. Yeah, that, well was, done. that was strong. Yep. Uh, the knob says, uh, I do like him if he gets traded. I still, it doesn't help his whip. That's the problem. Um, that's my or, concern. Or, or going deep into games. Yep. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, give us your, your third fade. My JV. third fade is uh, Justin Verlander. I just think you know, father time is undefeated. <laughs> we saw, we saw a, Good surface stats, but between beneath those good surface stats last season, like you can see this, you can see this going badly, and he's going to be what forty-one. So um, I just like I'd rather take a shot on Rodon or Sale. Hell, even Michael King, definitely Sale. Even Bieber, I take the safety. Merrill, of, Merrill Kelly, Ober, take, any of those guys. Yes, I would take pretty much. Yes, every single one of the next seven <laughs> guys listed after Justin Verlander. So, so there we go. Yeah, yeah no, and uh, I know Enrico mentioned Ober earlier. I like Ober as as an option. I think uh, Kelly. I have shares of just for his floor that he brings to the table, but they weren't main targets here. And I do want to mention if you have to get pitching at the end of this one fifty, those are guys I I could live with. They're just not going to jump off the page very often. Uh, my final fade here, and this goes to Eric Halterman's comment, is for Michael King and. Halterman said, if you want a guy with good skills but innings risk, why not Michael King? The innings risk is why I'm fading him. Um, I believe the skills are really good. Are the skills really good as a full season of a starter? That's my question. He made nine starts last year at 104 innings. He was great. We all know how good he was. Strikeouts were awesome. Didn't walk a ton of guys. There's really not a lot to say about his success last season. It was awesome. No denying that. I just don't know if if um, King can produce that in a full season. After, you know, I mentioned 104 last year, it was 51, 63, 26. He's never been a deep guy. That's like quite a jump to expect another 150 innings of that kind of production is going to be tricky for me, especially on a Padres team, which I don't expect to be that good this year. I'm going to kind of be uh, like the, the Padres are going to fight the Giants for the third best record in the West, which will be lucky to be 500. So I'm just going to kind of stay away from Michael King. The thing I will say about King is he does have, so yes, like full agree with what you just said about the innings risk in terms of like, you just look at the innings pitch column on any stat page and you see like, yeah, one year over 60 innings or 70 innings. And that was last year with the, with the hundred or one of four or whatever. Um, the thing I will say about Michael King is he's not like your typical reliever who is just gassing out with two pitcher with with two pitches and is now trying to make that work in a starting role. Um, Michael King only, I say only, but only has a 94 mile an hour fastball last year. So he's not, you know, he's not just a flamethrower where that 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 shoulder can't 
take that load over a full season. And Michael King throws. He's got a pretty full arsenal. It's not just a two-pitch guy like fastball slider. There's a sinker, sweeper, four-seamer, and changeup all over 15% of the time. So I think like if if Michael King can get to 150 innings, I do think the the skills and the arse the skills will hold up because of his arsenal and his pitching approach, if that makes sense. It's not just yeah, like no, again, your your typical 98 mile an hour guy with a killer slider trying to make it work as a starter. King's a little bit different than that. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. I think you're, there's that option. It's just hard for me in this range. Like, would you rather take a chance on King or Rodon? Um, if you frame it as take a chance, I'll go Rodon. But I That's think King, point. like from a projection standpoint, I think, I mean, King's definitely safer. Right? King, King has a better chance of returning uh, this draft price, I think, than Rodon does. It's just Rodon's ceiling is so much higher. All right, King or Ober? I'll go. I'll go. Ugh, mm-hmm. That's a tough one. I'll go. I'll go Ober. That's, that's that says it all, though. That says it all. Like King, King or Sale? Sale. But these guys are going before King. Okay. Well, how about King or <laughs> King or Merrill Kelly? All right, Merrill Kelly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like King or Hunter Green? King or Queen? Uh, actually, Michael King. I'll go. I'll go. Michael King over Hunter Green. Um, the the knob says more innings next year. Rodon or King? That's a good King. one. King me. All right. Well, then there you go. Then you should draft King over Rodon. Um, so if you it, think, I mean, if you think Rodon's getting 130 innings this year, you're drafting him before this. 100. percent Yeah. Yeah. He won't be in this range. You are correct on that one. It only, it's only going to take one or two good spring starts in those mid-March to late-March drafts. Rodon's going to be creeping towards the top of this uh, chart we have right now. I think so, too. Same with Sale, if he looks good as well. Yeah, that's that's a bummer to me. I, yeah, but that sucks. All right, let's do a few listener questions and then get you on out of here on a Thursday night or Friday listening of pleasure of your choice. John Wilder, see you in the draft on Friday, buddy. And you, uh, he he agreed to match or make a donation to the cause, so I appreciate you. He says, what are our thoughts on Volpe? I'm worried about his spot in the lineup and the fact his average could crater a team. I think Ryan turned me on him. Yes, however, noting those deficiencies. Yes, we agree um, with those deficiencies. But, but uh, there's but yeah, a, I, yeah, no, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, there's a risk-reward. That's That's interesting. All right. Uh, Randy Leeson says, one hitter and one pitcher from this group you guys feel that are being undervalued at the draft table. Um, so just to just to go with a different name, I'll go Josh Naylor. I'll take your one of your guys. Mm-hmm. I, I think Josh Naylor, especially from a team fit, if you want to get you know your typical first baseman here is a low average, high home run guy. And if you want to try and break that mold or your team need is a little bit different than that, Josh Naylor is a great batting average with good power. I'm not saying he's not, um, and throwing a few bags as well. So Josh Naylor for me on the hitting side. What about pitching side? God, I mean, we have kind of talked about all of them. Yeah, just name one real quick. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) Just pick one. All right, Nick Pollock, Cole Reagans. Uh, No, I'll 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 say uh, I'll say Tanner Bybee. Say Tanner Bybee. Okay. All right, for me on this one. Hitting wise, the nailer call is good. We even talk just, about him. Just pick a name, he said. Yeah, just pick one. Um, 
I'll go T. Oscar because I just think he's undervalued still for what you can get for him in this range. Hey, you already talked about him. Well, we talked about most of these guys already. Uh, I just picked a guy, okay? Pitching uh, undervalued pitcher here. I'll go Merrill Kelly. I think Merrill Kelly is undervalued for what you can get from Merrill Kelly. Did you just put your thumb your thumb on the screen and it ended up at Kelly for that one? Or? Yep, yep, pretty much. <laughs> also, which hitter in this group has the best chance of reaching 40 homers? Uh, Casas. Honorable mention, Torque. Yeah, it's one of those two. I'm not going to try to argue that one. Uh, Adam Reckamp, who is in the chat, also gave us one here. Thoughts on Teoscar Hernandez? We hit on that. Uh, yeah, no, we got that. We got you. Um, doo, doo, doo. Will Graham says, Tanner Scott's command really came together, together last year. Fact or fluke? Is he worthy of a top NL closer price? Yeah, so that last part is important. Top yes. NL closer price because i'm looking at the closers in this group it's american league clay holmes american league craig kimbrell national league alzale american league jansen um and i don't off the top of my head know the nl catcher pool or catcher pool closer pool before scott but it seems sure seems like catchers would god man closers will you know after scott be pretty tough so Tanner Scott, like, I don't think he's out of the woods. We're not, I mean, remember in 2021, Tanner Scott had a 517 ERA. In 2022, Tanner Scott had a 431 ERA. That's not so much an indictment on Tanner Scott. It's more just a reflection of the like wildness of trying to project relievers. And our most recent data point of Tanner Scott is very, very good command. Not only did Tanner Scott cut the walk rate in half from 16%, which is awful, to league average, which is 8%. But I'm going to go back to my favorite, you know, control stat, ball rate. That helped Tanner Scott through a ton more strikes last year while also getting more whiffs. So if you take last year and look at those stats, like Tanner Scott fully deserved what we saw from him with that 231 ERA.99 whip. And I think you expect that going forward. So I think Tanner Scott's a pretty safe National League closer. Yeah, off the top of my head here, like after Scott, we have Alzale in this range. And you have Alvarado. You'll have, fin- you'll have Finnegan, you'll have Robert Suarez, or one of the San Diego messes. You have Lawrence in Colorado. Oh. I, think kind of, I think that kind of rounds out your NL closers off the top of my head. I could be missing someone, but that's the majority of them, I think, that go after him. So, Not great. Yeah, you might want to get him <laughs> if that's an option. Uh, Ed DeCaria says, uh, Evan Carter is pretty, sure, is pretty sure he'll be fine against left-hand pitching. Do Bubba Bloom and or Bochi believe him? I do not. Yeah. Prove, prove me wrong, kid. That's all I'm going to say. But Bochi's opinion matters much more. Uh, Joe G, uh, I think this is him liking these guys. Uh, or he's asking a question. Or maybe he's asking a question. Uh, outfield, Suzuki, Castellanos, or Jordan Walker? In that order. Yes, I'm with you. He has Andres Jimenez and Bryson Stott at second base. Jimenez. Yeah, me too. Yep, we're on on a point together on that one and that'll wrap us up that'll wrap us up the uh chat crushed it that was great uh, any final thoughts on 100 to 150 as this is a uh, an interesting range and it's going to get more interesting obviously the deeper we go yeah i don't think i don't think tonight's episode really swayed what i thought going in i still think there's um I still think there's only a couple starters that I, you know, I tried to at least make the case for folks who are willing to embrace injury risk. I think there's a case for some of these riskier pitchers, but just the way I want to have 
uh, way I want to build my rotation, it's really like steel and uh, Bybee or bust. And so I'm just, I'm attacking a lot of the hitters that I just really like in this range. And I uh, kind of thought that going in and still, still believe that going out. There's just a ton of bats that we both like here, man. Yep. And there's going to be just top of my head again. I've not looked at the next range or even two. There are good chunks of pitching coming up as well. So yeah. that that's going to be pretty awesome too. So looking forward to it Tuesday night. We'll do um, 150 to 200. That'll be pretty awesome to see where we go there. Gialdi asks us if we'll be streaming more drafts. I'll be streaming the Bubba in the Bloom auction number two on Friday night, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Uh, make some money for Fantasy Cares. Come join us there. We'll be doing the Tout Wars draft on March 5th, Bloomfield. Same league. Yep, we're head-to-head -head on that one, the battle, of the battle of the pod on that one, per se. And who knows? We might have some more coming up. I always like to stream some drafts. So we'll have some drafts for you some way, somewhere, somehow, most likely. But – for Mr. Bloomfield, you can find him on Twitter at RyanBHQ. I'm on Twitter at BDNTrick, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod. This was Bubba and the Bloom, episode 110. Catch you all next time. Mm -hmm.